Romans chapter 12, we see a subject, Paul, of course, writing to these believers in Rome. Rome is a very significant area at this time and very, very important city. And Paul felt led to write a letter to the believers at Rome. And he takes chapter 12 and he, he dissects what it means to love one another. Matter of fact, the first two verses uh, I'll kind of allude to this evening at, at, at 5 o'clock, at, just for a few minutes, and, and then verse number 11, I'll, I'll allude to that just a little bit. But we're going to take verses 3 through verse 13 this morning, and we're going to look at four ingredients to a healthy church, which makes up intentional relationships. Now, let me just say this by prefacing the message I am not a cook at all. But I do know in order to have a great recipe, there has to be some ingredients. Now I have a, everybody's got a go-to dessert. Most people love apple pie. Can I get an amen? Pumpkin pie around Thanksgiving. I'm not a pumpkin fan, but I will eat a slice of pumpkin pie. If you're drinking pumpkin drinks already, you're not right with God. It's too warm. It's not chilled yet. We haven't had a frost yet. It's not October yet. But yet people's got pumpkin spice and pumpkin candles and pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. Oh my goodness, uh, I just want to already throw up at the pumpkin that gets to. But I'm not a chef, and if that offended you, I am sorry. Uh, some of you already had pumpkin this morning. Raise your hand if you already had pumpkin this morning. You're not right with the Lord, amen? Now we know who to preach to. I'm not a chef, but I do have a favorite dessert. Now, you're not going to like my dessert, or at least I think you will. You've got to give it a shot. But you're not going to think that it's, it's not cheesecake, it's not pound cake, it's not any cake for that matter. It's not apple pie or blackberry cobbler or anything, though I do like those things. My favorite dessert of all time is tang pie. How many of you know what tang is? The orange drink? Oh, yeah. Hey, you say, Pastor, that is cheap. That is disgusting, but you have never mixed it with the right ingredients, and this comes out to scrumptious wholeness called tang pie. Now, here's the ingredients. Of course, you. this is the church, and I'm going to apply that, uh, but this is the crust. It's got to be a graham cracker crust too, right? You can't use the other crust. It's got to be Keebler graham cracker. Keebler. Don't do, don't do the food line brand. Keebler, that little elf on the front. Keebler graham cracker crust. Then, then, of course, you have to have some daisy sour cream. And then you've got to have not off-brand Cool Whip. You've got to have the real deal, Cool Whip. All right, I can take a spoon of that. And then, of course, evaporated milk. And you've got to have, of course, tang pie. Now, here's what my wife's going to do. Because you're like, okay, what do you do with it? My wife is going to post on the, on the church page this evening the recipe to tang pie. How many of you are willing to try it? Would you raise your hand? You don't have to cook anything. You mix it together, is that right? And you put it in the refrigerator. And after about, what, three, two or three hours? Four hours. You have a great pie. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a picture of it. I want you to text it and give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Now listen, I expect nothing but thumbs ups. Because, and by the way, if you don't like it, don't throw it away. You have a pastor. So I'm really smart with what I'm doing because I'm, I'm hoping that some of you won't like it because that means more for me. 
And in four days, it's fall, I believe. And, uh, and usually my wife says this is a spring and a summer pie. This is not a fall and a winter pie. So I don't know what that means. But I know in four days, I'm going to be missing tang pie. And by the way, that's why I bought the ingredients instead of just telling you. Because she's going to make me one uh, a little bit later maybe. I don't know. I hope so. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, according to Romans chapter 12, there is four ingredients that makes up a healthy church. Now, last week our church had 630 people in church on Sunday morning. We've never had 630. We, we average a, a little over 500. That's a blessing, and we're very thankful for that. And 500 is a, a blessing, uh, especially uh, where we've come from. Very thankful for that. And, and I don't know, we'll have a good crowd today and a good number today, and sometimes I don't find out till a week or two later what all we had, and I'm thankful for what God has given us. But there is absolutely no way that I can connect with every individual in this room today in an intimate way, in, a, in a, uh, uh, maybe a teaching way. There's no way that I can even talk to this many people on this day. There's many people in our morning service. We had a wonderful crowd in our morning service, and there was no way. There was actually visitors here that I did not get to talk to. Now, here's the deal. I would love to talk to you. I will stay here as long as you would like. I'll be out in the lobby. But you have places to go, and sometimes I have places to go, so there's no way for us to connect every week in an intimate setting. Now, I love the preaching, but there's sometimes in this auditorium that people will sneak in or hide behind or, or set, and they'll come and they'll, they'll get preached to and they will leave without ever connecting to one person. Here's what I want you to consider this morning. Our church is only as strong as you are. It's not, it's not on the pastor. Now, I do have a responsibility, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But listen, sometimes we have the misconception that the pastor is the one that has to be strong for the church. He, he has to be the one that is, is the most spiritual, and he has to be the one that, that, that walks with God for everybody. Friend, listen, we're not Catholic. You don't look at me and say, well, you need to talk to God for me. No, no, no. You can have a relationship with Him today. We are as only healthy as you are. Now, there's some strong words here. And Paul, of course, lays out an opening statement. It's a weighty statement. All service for God in the local assembly, Bible Baptist Church, is affected by the believers that attend this church and what they estimate of Himself. I think one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible is found in John chapter 13. We're going to get to this. It may be next year. But we're going to get to John chapter 13, and I think it's about verse number 35, that Jesus said, By this shall men know. Listen to this. By this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. So that tells me that yes, we are to love sinners. Yes, we are to love our enemies. Yes, we are to love the world. Yes, we're to love people that, that need the gospel. And yes, we are to love our community. But that is not what defines us as a disciple of Jesus Christ. What defines us, listen to this, is our love for one another. 
I want you to see in our text. Look at verse 3. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let me say the first ingredient to having a healthy church in an, in an intentional relationship, being an intentional about loving people, is divine humility. The Bible says that we should, according to verse number 3, not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Let me just say, if you attend the Bible Baptist Church, I love you, I, I want to connect with you, but listen, if your idea of attending a church is to come in, slip in about 11 o'clock, and, and enjoy the worship, and enjoy the singing, and enjoy a few uh, engaging uh, little quirks from the preacher, and enjoy these things, and then pray and leave, if that's your idea of attending a church, what Bible Baptist to you is a location, but it is not a family. Many of you attend Bible Baptist Church for a location. If someone were to ask you out in the community, uh, where do you attend church? You would say, I attend church at 257 Harrison Bridge Road, Bible Baptist Church, Simpsonville, South Carolina. And that's where I attend church. And that would be an accurate statement. But then there's some of you in here who say, hey, I live and breathe my church family. Where do you... I am a part, I'm a member of the Bible Baptist Church. This is my church family. This is my church family. The first ingredient that I find is this. It is divine humility. And by the way, if you come to Bible Baptist Church and that is your, uh, that is your mentality, is to just attend the church and just come and, and to sit and just to be here. And by the way, I'm glad that you're here. And yes, Bible Baptist Church is growing. And yes, it is becoming easier to hide behind other people. If God chooses to broaden the footprint of this church in our community, and it looks like He has, He's grown this church, it's amazing what God is doing, we will have to fight to remain small. I preach in a lot of small churches all the time. And, and one thing that I love about small churches, when I say small, I'm talking about 75 people or 50 people. And Brother, Brother Wesley, you know what I'm talking about. They, you, you go and sing in these churches. They're sweet. And guess what I love about these churches? Is their true, authentic relationships. Lee, you pastored a church uh, uh, that everybody knew everybody. And it was like a family. Small congregation, but here's what happens. The church grows. The church grows, and guess what? You start going to church with people that you do not know and you've never spoken one word to. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's some of you that have yet to meet other members of our church because they go to the earlier service. And you have no idea what's going on. And listen, here's what happens. Instead of being intentional about it, you sulk about it. You're like, well, I tell you, I remember the days when we used to be smaller and everybody knew everybody and we'd have little potlucks and we'd, we'd go around and, and eat and, and everybody fellowshiped everybody and everybody talked to everybody and sister so-and-so and sister so-and-so and now look at the church. I don't half know everybody. Good. 
What have you done to be intentional? How do we keep the intentionality of our church in a small setting? You know how we do it? Listen. We do it through small groups. Sunday school classes. Every one of you, look at me. Every one of you in here today, I know if you're new, listen, if you're new to this church and you're still trying to figure it out, I I, want you to listen, but I'm not even speaking to you. There's some of you that have been coming to our church for months and months and months and have yet to be intentional in finding a smaller group. Humble yourself. Listen to me. Humble yourself and walk into a class and say, my name is... What's your name? See, you say, well, Pastor, it's hard to meet everybody. You see how many people's in the lobby? Everybody's everywhere. It's hard to talk to people. Yeah, I'm the pastor of the church, and I don't get to talk to people. I'm the pastor of the church, and there's still people coming by, and I'm still learning their names. I don't get to know everybody. So guess what? We have to fight to keep the church small, and the way we keep it small, not in numerically, we keep it small through small Bible groups. You college kids, you're not just attending Bible Baptist Church because you have nothing else to do. Well, the bus will pick me up. I'm going to try this church out. Listen to me. Listen to me. You've been in college long enough. Even if you're a freshman, you've had several weeks to find you a church, and and you don't have to attend every all 400,000 churches in Greenville to find you a church. You're going to be here... Listen, I've known kids. Matter of fact, I had two young men walk out the service last week and say, Preacher, we owe you an apology. It took us three years to find Bible Baptist Church. And we're seniors in college because we never connected to a church. And we finally now are waking up. We're going to be gone in May. And we're waking up and we've never connected to a local church. What a shame. Because let me say this, even if you're a college student, yes, you have your parents back home, yes, you have a church maybe back home, I'm not sure, but you're going to need somebody while you're here. You're going to need somebody. Hey, you singles in here, you're going to need somebody. Humble yourself. Hey, you leaders in here, those of you that maybe help in a ministry, some of you are not connected to a class. And you're even in a leadership, like in some type of leadership role. And listen, the 10 o'clock hour is not for you to go get coffee somewhere. It's not for you to walk around and say, yeah, we're skipping church today and nobody's going to know. No, listen, there is and needs to be accountability. Humble yourself. So divine humility. Divine humility. Here's the second thing that identifies our church. is not just divine humility, but listen, you're doing great. Gospel identity. We are identified in the gospel. Look with me in verse number 4 and 5. The Bible says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so they don't have the same role, so we, Paul says, being many, there's many of us in here today, 
are one body in Christ. Now listen, this is not the body of Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, His literal body. It was buried three days later. He rose from the dead. He's now on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. That is His literal body. One day we'll see that body in heaven. We'll see the wounds in His hands, the wounds in His feet, and the wound in His side. But guess what body He's speaking of now? It is the body of Christ. This is the body. When the world sees Jesus today, what do they see? They see the local New Testament church. We find that in verses 1 and 2. But look at verse 5. So we being many are at one body in Christ and every one member of one of another. So that little phrase there in verse number 5, are one body in Christ. This is what binds us together. Now most people, listen, Most people identify churches today by their steeples. We have a unique steeple here. When I'm talking to somebody about Bible Baptist Church, all I have to say is, hey, we are the church that's round and has a pointy top, and it's our little rapture hole is what we call it. And and one day when Jesus Christ comes, we're all going to be sucked through that little hole right there. The, Brother Wesley, the wood's going to open up, and we're all going to heaven outside of this steeple, right? It's a cool steeple. You're not going to see this everywhere. It's unique. So when I tell people in, in our community about Bible Baptist Church, I'm like, hey, we're the church that, that has both buildings, and we've got a beautiful property, and we have that unique building, and it has a really cool steeple. And guess what? People's like, oh, yeah, I know where you're at. I was in Easley, South Carolina last night, and I'm standing in the Chick-fil-A at about 9 o'clock trying to get something to eat, or eight, about 8.30, standing there, and there's this man and his, I believe it's his daughter and two boys was standing beside me. And I noticed that the woman kept looking at me, like kind of just, I know you, but I don't. I have that effect on people from time to time, especially. When, and so uh, she's, she's looking. And so finally I looked at her, and I said, how are you doing tonight? And she said, fine. And the boys had baseball uniforms on. I said, y'all win your games today? And they said, uh, uh, we split games. We won one and lost one. And I said, oh, that's good. And, and I said, uh, she said, you pastor Bible Baptist Church Simpsonville, don't you? I mean, easily. And I said, I, I think I do. <laughs> Depends. She said, we visited your church several years ago, and we loved it. She said, we live in Fountain Inn. I said, you know what? You need to come. And She knew exactly where we were, and I said, we've purchased a building since then, and we've expanded, and God has grown our church. And she said, you know what? We're going to come back and visit when things settle down a little bit. We had a nice little conversation. She knew exactly because a lot of times people identify by structures and signs and steeples. We had a girl here this morning that Googled uh, Bible-preaching churches. That's why she, she Googled Bible-believing churches in the area, and Bible Baptist Church was the first church that popped up. And she visited today. It was a blessing. They'll identify you by an internet website or by a social media. But here's how Jesus identifies disciples and churches. He identifies us by our love for one another. We should love our gospel identity, though we're different. This is a very diverse church. We're different. We should be unified in the gospel. But see, listen church, I do not preach a uniformity where everybody looks the same. Everybody around here is not the same. This is a very diverse church. We're not preaching uniformity. We're preaching unity. 
We are united. You say, well, he, he looks different and she acts different and she, she is different. Yes, but we're all one in Christ. My wife and I, what compliments each other, we've been together, we've been married for nearly 18 years, but we've been together for, for 20 years. We've known one another and dated and we're engaged. And so there couldn't be two more different people. My wife is an extrovert. She's that type A personality that just lights a room up and loves to talk to people. She is nearly perfect. I am so far from perfection. I'm introverted. I'd rather be on the backside of the desert in the middle of nowhere trout fishing where cell phone service ain't even in and you can't talk. I'm so uh, just, I could be a hermit somewhere. And yet, here's what happens. We compliment one another because sometimes I just love the fact and wish that I could just talk to people with confidence the way that she controls the room. She will get in your business faster than you even know. And I love that about her. Myself, I like to stay off and watch the situation and hope that I don't have to do anything. But we're together. What keeps us together? What keeps a home together? What takes a... By the way, if we had both type A personalities where we're constantly... We'd kill each other. Y'all know that. Uh, we wouldn't get that along as, as much as we do. We are put together, but what bonds us together? God put us together. We are brother and sister in Christ. We love one another. And listen, it doesn't mean that I don't love another woman in the church and pray for their family, but they have other husbands. There's only one woman in which I love and would lay my life down, and it's my wife because she belongs to me. We became one flesh. We said, I do, at the altar, and we left our families, and we cleave to one another. We belong. Listen. Uh, if I were to come to you and say, hey, would you watch my kids while my wife and I go on a date? A lot of you would say, oh, pastor, you know what? Tell us a time and drop your kids by. And, uh, and some of you would say, no, we're busy, right? But, uh, because I would do the same thing, right? But, but you would watch because we'd go out and we'd, we'd get a meal and we'd talk. And, and, uh, and we'd a couple hours later come back. But I'm not going to drop my kids off and say, you raise them. Because many of you would say, oh, pastor, we can't raise your children. We, we've got enough on our plate. We're not going to raise your children. Why? Because, and I'm not going to raise your children. Why? Because they belong to you. They're yours. There's a responsibility that comes with you. If it's been given to you, then it's your job and your obligation to do your part. What unites us? What unites us is the gospel identity, the unity of the body of the church, there's a vast diversity, but at the same time, with all the diversity and all the differences, all the members of one body are indispensable as well as independent. Think about this. Cool Whip is not sour cream, and, and certainly Tang is not evaporated milk, but when you put them all together and you mix it up and you put them in the refrigerator for four hours, and when you pull it out, guess what? It is wonderful. But they're diverse. They're different. There's different textures here. There's, this is a powder form, and this is a liquid, and this is a little bit more creamy, and this is fluffy, and this is sweet, and this is not really sweet, but yet you put them in here, and it all evens out. Hey, that is the local New Testament church. We are gospel identified. Here's the third thing we find. Look with me in verse number 6. 
of Romans chapter 12, there's a divine ministry of the church because it says, having been gifts deferring according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Every one of us in this building has been given gifts from God. Let me just say this, church, you're doing well. Listen, don't miss this part. You've been given gifts. What is a gift? A gift is something that's been given to you that is empowered by the Spirit of God for the local New Testament church. Some have been given the gift of teaching. And you're an excellent Bible teacher and you love to expound the Scriptures and you're able to feed other people. And that is wonderful. Some of you have been given the gift of preaching. There's men in here that can preach the Word of God. And and there's some that have the... We just heard the Morrison sing. Wasn't that a blessing? They have been given a gift of singing when empowered by the Spirit, it blesses the church. These are... Things that are highlighted, and often you say, Pastor, I, I can't play an instrument. Preach the Bible. I, I, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm not able to stand in front of people and, and without shaking and without being nervous, without fainting. And I can't teach a class. Pastor, I can't get up in front of people. I realize it. But you do have a gift. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. You're an encourager. We call it the gift of consolation. You can put your arm around someone and you can pray for someone and you can be an encouragement. Hey, there's also the gift of uh, there's the, the gift of, of ministry. There's those that can can manage well. They're, they're good about doing that. Hey, there's some people that have the gift of giving. You're just a giver. And every church, and I'm not talking about just money, but you just give of yourself. Yourself less. Listen, here's what I believe about this. If you don't use that gift, you'll lose that gift. Listen, listen. If you don't lose it or use it, you'll lose it. It's like laying in a bed for a long time. Maybe you've been sick or maybe you've been injured and you've been laying in a bed for a long time and you've not worked your leg muscles. You've not learned, used them muscles. And so guess what? After a while you are having to relearn to walk or you're having to a long time and, and now they're having to relearn some things. Why? Because they have not used those things. Well, pastor, then how do I use my gifts? You get into a small group and, and utilize those gifts. Listen, I'll, I'll, there's a lot of people in our church that I don't even know has the gift unless they tell me. There's people that have attended this church for a long time and there's people that have come to me and said, Pastor, did you know so-and-so can tear a piano all to pieces? You know so-and-so's a singer? Did you know that so-and-so actually taught a Bible class at their last church? Did you know so And I would have never known that if they did not tell me. But guess who can find out? Your teacher. Your group leader. Your small group. Get connected. I beg of you, get connected in a group. We hurt together. We suffer together. We have victories together. We laugh together. We cry together. You say, Pastor, why? Because it keeps everything small. 
And I've got a plan I'm going to introduce to the leaders this evening about in, encouraging more classes to be started. We're actually going to start a whole plethora of Bible classes, adult classes, here in the next few months. And I've got an idea that I think is going to, yes, it's going to be an adjustment for the church, but I'm telling you, it's going to be great. And here's what we need. We need you to get involved. We are identified in the gospel. We have to humble ourselves according to verse number 3. Verses 4 and 5 tells us that we are gospel identified. We're unified around the gospel. And the third thing is we all have a divine ministry, a gift that has been given and empowered by the Spirit of God. Those three main gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of ministry, the gift of teaching, those gifts, of course, a lot of times are in the spotlight. But the church is not made up of just spotlight Christians. Some of the gifts get the spotlight. I get it. But every one of you has a gift that God has given. That it may not be in the spotlight, but the church is very needful. Right? Here's the last thing. Look with me in verse number 9. The Bible says, Let love be with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. There is a whole list of active things, lots of activity right there that's mentioned, that as a whole, we should be intentional about. I call it the divine ministry of charity. He says in verse number 9, look with me. Verse number 9, it says in Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation. There's a bunch of things listed here in this divine charity. I believe in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul states that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit of God. So the love of God is in our hearts. If you're saved, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. But guess what? According to verses 9 through verse 13, there's a whole list of things that we should be intentional about. And Paul puts it in perspective right here in front of us. He says, abhor that which is evil. There ought to be a purity. Abhor that which is evil. True love is not present where there is moral wickedness going on. Abhor that which is evil. He says, the second thing, be personal, be kindly affection one to another. We should be kindly affection one to another. It is a person who's born again will love his brother. Listen to me. I'm worried about some people who constantly gossip about other people and call themselves a Christian. If you can't get along with your brothers and sisters in Christ, I would be doing some checking up on you. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Get your eyes off of people and look in the mirror. Abhor that which is evil. Be kindly affection one to another. Be passionate. The Bible says in verse 11, I'm going to speak a little bit about that this evening. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hey, we ought to be positive. The Bible says rejoicing in hope. We ought to be patient, patient in tribulation. We ought to be prayerful, continuing instant in prayer. And we ought to be practical. The Bible says distributing to the necessity of the saints. Listen. A great church, listen to me. A great church, their people 
love each other. And guess what else? You want to get to know each other. We have victories together. We have downtimes together. There's times when we're shouting up on the mountain, and there's other times when we're crying in the valley. There's times when we're worshiping, and boy, things are great, and there's times when we are being rebuked. Guess what we ought to do? What's going to make this church even go to the next level? And I, you look around and you're saying, Pastor, are you trying to get big? Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If God kept it this way for the rest of my life and the rest of my pastorate, I got more to be thankful for today and more to say grace over than I ever thought I would. But here's what I believe about Bible Baptist Church. I believe that God is not done with us. Matter of fact, I believe, Brother Kenya that God is just getting started with this church. You say, well, Pastor, where are you going to put everybody? I don't know. We're going to wait on the Lord and see what He has for us. But I know this. He has a plan. And He's given the Bible Baptist Church a footprint, a, an identity in this community. And He's broadened that and He's enlarged that. And the way that we continue to lo- know one another, people's like, well, Pastor, I need a directory. You're not going to get to know people in a directory. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'll get you a directory. But if that's how you get to know people, that is not, the, uh, that is not intentional. You get to know people by being in their face. Seeing them every week, not on a piece of paper, not on an email, not on a phone call, but actually being with them. I realize we've got people watching live this morning on our live stream, and that's great. And I'm thankful. And listen, sometimes they're watching from out of town, and they're watching from this, or they're unable to make it to the church. And I realize that. But in a room this size, I want you to be intentional. And by the way, let me say this. If you want people to be friendly to you, won't you be friendly to them? I just, it just annoys me to death when someone says, I went to that church for two weeks and nobody spoke to me. Did you speak to somebody? Maybe they didn't want to talk to you because you looked angry. I mean, have you ever wanted to approach somebody and they just look mad? I'm not going to come to you and say, hey man, how's your day going? You look like you're going to kill me. No, 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 I don't want that. Listen. Listen to me. If you're visiting today, I'd love to connect with you, but here's the day. The best way to get to know the church is to get to know them, not in the auditorium, but get to know them through smaller groups. We meet, the most important times throughout the week is 8.30 and 11 o'clock right now. Those are the service times. On Sunday morning. Those are the most important times when the preaching of God's Word. I'm going to preach on preaching next week. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. But I'm going to preach on that next Sunday. And, and we need to know what preaching the Word is. Some people have a wrong definition of what preaching is. So, so come back next Sunday. The most important times is 8.30 and 11 o'clock. And then right behind that, right behind that is 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening. That's really the two times where you get to know people. You don't get to know people 8, 30, and 11. 
You might pass them in the hallway. Hey, how are you doing? I love that dress. Where'd you get that? I mean, you're talking to each other. You don't know anybody. Hey, man, nice truck, bro. Did you get that this week? That's good, yeah. No, no, no. You sit in a class beside someone and prayer request time comes or maybe a good Bible subject starts stirring up and y'all start talking. Boy, you get to know people. Then you have an outing together. Hey, you know what happened yesterday? They had a paintball activity for men. Yesterday morning, paintball. That's a good way to get your stress out. Just shoot each other, right? You can laugh. That was a joke. That's what they do. That's what we do around here is we, we you know, invite somebody you don't like a paintball and then just shoot them with the paintballs. And then our sunny seniors on Friday night, they uh, had an activity where they went to play putt-putt together. Isn't that great? 